You are listening to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empowers you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. I'm Francine Belay, your host, and I'm super thrilled to bring you stories inspiration and strategies to get more meaning in your work and in your life, make more money and lead a movement to change the world. I am a digital communication and brand strategist, business advisor, award-winning author and a speaker. I am on a mission to help professional executives and entrepreneurs to become leading voices in their field by finding what makes them unique and creating compassion Bearing messages to the right audience. Are you struggling to find out why your message doesn't get the engagement you expect from your audience and customers whilst your competition seems to do very well? Well, apply for a complimentary assessment of your website to find out. I will personally review your website and show you what is confusing your prospect and the easy step to take to clarify your message. To claim this time-limited offer, go to francinebelay.com slash review, that's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash review. Today we have on the show a great woman. Helen Milner, OBE. She is the chief executive at Good Things Foundation, a social change charity that is driving social and digital inclusion. They support excluded people to become digitally able and active and apply their knowledge in all aspects of their lives, including health, getting a job, and grow resilience, financial resilience. She was named by the Digital Hall of Fame as one of the 20 people had achieved great things in Britain using digital. Hi, Helen. Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Hi, Francine. Nice to be here. I'm really, really excited to have you on this show. Tell me in your own words what you currently do and um, at Good Things Foundation. I think there is a two words. I don't know if it's Good Things Foundation now or Tinder Foundation. Which one is the current uh, appellation? Yeah, yeah. So our name is now Good Things Foundation. So we changed it about two years ago. Um, That uh, when we first when we first called ourselves Tinder Foundation, the dating app didn't exist. So (laughs) is it because the dating app that you changed? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, we were getting really people were getting us confused with 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 the dating app. So that was a bit um, bit bit amusing, but also we thought it was better to change. But I think the, the name Good Thing Foundation really reflects what we do because we do good things. And so you asked me about my role. So um, I'm the group chief executive. So what that means is that um, I look after everything that we do at Good Things Foundation, um, that we have a team in uh, the UK, so based in Sheffield, of around 75 people. Um, and also we have some uh, staff in Sunderland, but also we have an office in Sydney. So we also have a subsidiary charity in Sydney and there are about 15 people there too. So um, I look after all of that. In Australia, we have a great uh, director who looks after that. So um, 
it's easy for me to do that at a distance being here in the UK. Um, and uh, I make sure that, you know, that everything runs smoothly and I work with, with my boards and my teams. Mm. Why Australia? Why are you in Australia and some, not, not anywhere else? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that Australia, although it's a long way away, is culturally very similar to the UK. Um, and actually, uh, I started doing some sort of very low-key business development, you know, doing a speaking tour, a meeting with people who are interested in digital inclusion to just see if there was um, any opportunity. You know, I was happy to share our experiences and our knowledge, um, but also uh, if an opportunity came up, which it did, the federal government wanted a, to create a network um, in Australia, a digital inclusion network, very, very similar to what we've done here in the UK. Uh, and so it just seemed like a perfect opportunity. So we bid and we won. And, and that's um, coming up for two years since we first started operating in Sydney um, in, in August. It'll be two years. Of course, that's great. So you have also been digital field for a very, very long time. Where your passion for digital inclusion come from? <laughs> Well, I think first and foremost, it's about equality, um, that I uh, am a real tech evangelist. You know, I love technology. I think that technology has such huge benefits for people's lives and it can be really transformative. Um, and so the, the idea that, you know, in the UK still we have 11.9 million people who lack essential digital skills, that that's just shocking, especially when you know, I know how much I depend on technology to do, you know, everything, almost everything in my life, um, you know, keep in touch with, with family, you know, and then all, all the banking, but also public services. And, and actually, uh, if you're, uh, uh, you know, not working or, or on benefits, you have so many more interactions with the public service. So actually, you're going to have a lot more interactions uh, with online public services. And there's a huge overlap between digital and social exclusion. So 90% of people who are digitally excluded are also socially excluded. And so the uh, digital exclusion is compounding the social exclusion. Um, and it's just exacerbating social exclusions that we've had for decades. Yeah. So I, I really believe my whole career has been around these sort of three things, if you like, um, around digital. I've worked in the internet. Um, since the mid 80s <laughs> um, uh, education so helping people to learn new skills but also a real passion and since the early 90s I've always worked with what I think of as second chance learning you know so giving adults who might not have had a good go of it first time around a, a better go of it second time around yeah 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 that's uh, really like since 80s really pre-internet totally you know um you know which came about in the 90s actually wow um so um what did you want to do when you grew up so when you were kid what was i'm sure that you didn't think that you were going to be digital <laughs> in digital which didn't exist what was your idea when you were kids what did you wanted to do as a job well I, I went through a phase of wanting to be the prime minister <laughs> <laughs> oh it's still open now yeah, it's still open yeah it's yeah still... <laughs> um, have your but, chance <laughs> but I think I was actually quite driven by that um because there weren't any women that I saw in politics and that we had had never had a woman prime minister at that point you see um and I felt like that there was a, you know, I guess growing up in the 
you know, 60s, 70s, is that there was a very strong uh, feminism, women's lib, as it was called back then. And that I, you know, I very much felt that that, that was important. So, um, you know, I also wanted to do, so I wanted to be an author, I wanted to write books, I wanted to be an actress, I wanted to be an architect. <laughs> um, so, you know, I... Um, maybe a teacher both my parents kind of started as teachers and then my, my dad went on to work in further education um so that um yeah i mean i didn't really have that set an idea um i i like the idea of creating things um and i think that's kind of where the architecture came from that you know the idea that you could create things yeah. um but also very interested as i said in in, in politics as well <laughs> yeah no, that's great so when actually from um you know your career when you were doing uh you were in digital when did you actually the shift actually came for you to say this is now my time to start to you know uh be focused on digital inclusion specifically so um that it's a hard question, but sort of, um, I moved to Sheffield um, in 1999 to help set up um, Learn Direct. In fact, I'd run a pilot for Learn Direct, the University for Industry in the northeast of England prior to that. Um, and so that although I think at that time, I probably was thinking that it was more about learning and digital, um, there was definitely a huge part around inclusion. And in order for people to be able to learn online, which is what LearnDirect was at that time, um, it was really important that we made sure that people could access and the internet and had the skills to do that. So I, I think in the early 2000s, it's I think where the real shift towards digital inclusion happened. Mm, yeah so okay so now i'm going to ask you more questions related to meaningful work and meaningful life so when did you realize who you are personally <laughs> and what you're meant to do in life well you know i think i would say it creeps up on you <laughs> i don't think there's a big moment um so i um uh had always been very driven to achieve impact yeah to help people have better lives have people have better services so every job i had ever you know since leaving university i always wanted to achieve more not for me but for the people who were using the services um, that i was part of creating and delivering um, and i think that's really important francine because i always so when i say it kind of creeps up crept up on me is that um, in my uh, um, sort of mid-30s at Learn Direct, um, I applied and got a job as an executive director. And um, another one of the executive directors said to me, it's so, it's great, you know, congratulations, well done. Um, it's great to have someone like you who's so ambitious um, in the organization. And I was thinking, ambitious? Me? Am I ambitious? Um, I just thought it was normal because I thought that the higher, the more responsibility I could get, the more impact I could have. Mm. The more, I think back to, you know, the point about, creation and, and innovating and you know architecture if you like is that 
that the more responsibility I could have, I was passionate about the ideas that I had and I wanted to get those ideas um, into place so I could have that impact. So for me, ambition was always about that. It was always about the impact. So when somebody actually said to me, it's great that you're ambitious, I was thinking, me? Ambitious? But maybe that was the moment. If you're asking for a moment, I kind of went, oh, yeah, well, maybe I am. Um, and it's the same when uh, working with um policymakers in Westminster is that you know I always you know I worked with the civil servants who were great I just thought well if I could speak to their boss if I could speak to the deputy director the director the director general permanent secretary the minister then I could help make change happen mm-hmm. um, and I think as I've grown older I've realized that actually there's people at all levels who are helping to make that change happen and actually um, it's about uh having the evidence so being an expert yeah. i'm very practical as well you know I, I, maybe you can hear that but you know i want to get stuff done um so you know the good things foundation we do a lot we achieve a lot we deliver we work with partners we have an amazing network of local um community partners and public libraries across the country here mm-hmm. and in in australia um and that uh we it doesn't actually matter where you are on the hierarchy as long as you're committed and passionate and hardworking and ambitious about the impact you can have. Yeah, I think, I, I think that your distinction is very clear. You know, the ambition actually is, doesn't have to be related just for you, but your ambition is really to make that impact, which is very, very key distinction, actually. Usually people will be ambitious, selfish ambition, but yours is you are driven, you want to get things done, actually. And uh, yeah, that's super. And actually, I, I also saw in uh, one of, I can't remember where I see that, when you say warm words and a big vision is not enough, we need action in practice practical steps <laughs> yeah so, yeah definitely that's definitely that's something I say too I mean I'm sure I didn't invent it but you know <laughs> that um we definitely need a, a we need a big vision though you need to have a big goal you need yeah. to be aiming at somewhere because focus is really important yeah um so uh that um, I'm really proud that Good Things Foundation is a mission-led organization and that we're always focused on making sure that we can use digital to help people have better lives because it's not about the digital it's about the better lives that That's really it. matters yeah 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 and when you get to the politician what do you tell them when you work at Westminster's and things like that so what what actually do you go and tell them actually well, um, at the moment, we've got a campaign called Bridging the Digital Divide, mm-hmm. um, and it's got a really practical six-point action plan. But what we're striving for is that we want a commitment from all the politicians for a 100% digital-included nation. So what we mean by that is that all adults um, who can... Um, uh, will have essential digital skills. Um, we're very lucky in the UK. We've got a framework that actually defines what essential digital skills means. Um, but then anyone who can't, um, for, for whatever reason, gain those skills should, ha- should have them and have got someone, a proxy, who can help them to use it, um, you know, side by side. Mm. So it's to get them to adopt that and uh, help uh, in a way to, you know, yeah. make it. Uh... I, I think the other thing is that, that I'm always trying to communicate that Good Things Foundation has this very special reach into communities because we work with 5,000 community partners um, right across the country. Um, and the, uh, I call it a big club with a shared vision. Yeah. So this isn't a franchise network. This isn't about um, us 
paying people to do it. They're not good things foundation. They're part of our family. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so that uh, they are already there, you know, the starting point coffee shop in Stockport, what, that they've set that up because they're committed to that community, but then they're also helping local people to learn how to use the internet, mm-hmm. to search for work, to manage their money, um, to communicate with friends and family, to have better lives. And so they believe in that. Mm. And they, they're part of Good Things Foundation, the online centers network, we call it. They're part of that wider family because we both believe in the same thing. And we provide um, services. We've got a great um, a platform called Learn My Way. So I'm also always talking to politicians about that reach into communities, mm. how we um, are already there, if you like, through that partnership, but also that we're very uh, good at deploying digital ourselves everything we have is um, underpinned by digital services so we all of our tools in the office our crm you know everything that we have is digital for us as an organization as well yeah is to actually get the attention of what you're doing and get that reach right um so in terms of uh framework that you use at good thing foundation is it available for other people to use the same framework if they want to deploy that in whatever community they are across the world yeah so it's actually the government's um, framework and um, so it's called the essential digital skills framework okay. um, and it's um, owned by the department for education i'll um, put the link in the show yeah. notes i think here yeah, in the find UK. it online yeah yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that would be important you know if everybody or someone in uh, their community wants to deploy the same framework that would be great tell me helen what did you struggle with the most in life personally <laughs> Um, so at work, the, I think, um, fitting it all into a working week, if I can say that, um, you have a big vision that you want to do all everything. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But I think that, um, you know, earlier in my career, I thought, well, if I, I could do it quicker than somebody else. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really did work seven days a week for several, several years many years um and then i gave up working on a saturday i just said right that's it i'm just not going to work on a saturday um and that, and but and then uh i think so struggled with say delegating but also working out what's the right team what's the right structure um, and then having fantastic people to delegate to so now i mostly work five days a week you know obviously sometimes i have to work evenings and weekends but um that's much more in balance and i think that i actually think i'm better at my job because i'm I'm able to delegate yeah so you know i I think it's important to be able to work hard to do the you know to run at a deadline to work you know seven days a week if you need to but actually it's better to have a great team and make sure that they're um you know, we're all working together. We're all in the same boat, rowing the oars towards the vision. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, actually, um, sometimes we are conditioned since our childhood, actually, to please others. Um, so we either actually keep carrying on this pattern or actually we rebel against that. Which spectrum are you in this? <laughs> I think I'm definitely in the rebel category. <laughs> yeah. Who are you rebelling against? 
<laughs> or what are you rebelling against? <laughs> well, maybe I'm just being a bit creative, yeah. So it's more about rules. Is I, I think that rules are there to provide a framework, not to always just tell us exactly how we have to do something. Um, and I'm a great believer in... Um, uh, I'm, I, I'm a tor, I'm a Torian. I often say I'm not obstinate. I'm tenacious. You know, uh-huh. just because somebody tells me there's no way to do something, that I, I don't believe them. You know, until I've actually tested all of the different ways around it, tested all the different solutions. It's like you know, I'm I'm a big believer in never saying never. So you know, sometimes r- rules are helpful and they're there for you to keep to. But if they feel like they're holding you back or that you feel that, that potentially there is another way around, then I would always take that. Wow. Then where does it come from? Is it in your you know, background, how, how you have been raised or how do you have that kind of you know, rebellious or creative way of not saying, not taking no for an answer and wanting to really go around? I think, I, I think my upbringing definitely. So my... Um, the third of four children, um, and my parents were, and we're all very close in age, and my parents were very um, supportive and loving. Um, but my mum said I was always the little rebel, that I think that, you know, having the cover for my big brother and sister, they could, you know, be the good boy and girl, and they could do what they're told. And I could just kind of, you know, sneak around the back and do what I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, I think... so I think there's partly that so you know mum always has said that about me Um, but I think it's also um, that I was brought up to believe that my ideas and my thoughts were important and so you know if I'm told I can't play hockey because it's raining and then the rain stops I go and play hockey and then I get told off by my PE teacher because I was told not to play hockey (laughs) but I said but you told me not to play hockey because it was raining but it's not raining you know (laughs) that's an example of what I did as a kid yeah Yeah, that's great and talking about childhood how has this prepared you to be who you are today well I think it's really important um, and back to having that kind of loving framework, you know, having having the love, having the confidence to be who you are. You know, I, I had a huge amount of support to just be me. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think my childhood was really important. I think also, um, so the first time I ever had a room of my own was when I went to university. Wow. Um, so, you know, when you're four kids and yeah. two parents, you really know how to work as a team. You know, the only way to all go shopping with six of you is like, you know, there's a team, there's, you know, you all have your jobs. Um, so, you know, I, I think that also helps. I think it's, it's easier to be a leader if you're also a good team player. Mm, yeah, that's good. Very good distinctions. That's great. So what is one of the toughest moments you had in your life that actually ended up to be a blessing in disguise? Very tough moment at the time where he really felt tough and then actually ended up to be a blessing. Um, well, one thing, so Good Things Foundation um, spun out of Learn Direct. So when Learn Direct was um, sold to a commercial bidder um, and I was really um, keen that that, 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 so at the time the network was called the UK Online Centres Network. 
Um, and a few years before that, I'd, I'd kind of moved it off into an independent um, division within Learn Direct. Um, and we were, had very much, um, much more of a kind of charity, not-for-profit feel that we were very, very focused on those outcomes for those uh, more disadvantaged people who use the UK Online Centre Network and also um, those community organisations themselves. And that I was very worried that uh, if we were part of the commercial sale of Learn Direct, then that wouldn't be right. You know, we wouldn't be able to continue that work. And so I, back to my um, being tenacious, I had to keep having conversations and, and um, trying to persuade the people who were making the decisions that, that we should, that it should be changed. Um, you know, and I think I really put my neck on the line, you know, that it felt very tough. I, you know, I, I didn't know if I should just shut up and, you know, <laughs> which I obviously didn't do. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that was very tough and, lot, and a lot of worry and a lot of stress about what was the right next step, what was the right way forward. Um, and even, and, and we did actually, um, it was obviously taken out of that sale. And, and the Commons Centre Network was put up for tender. And um, me and the senior managers at the time, we set up um, uh, you know, a new not-for-profit um, social enterprise and we bid and we won. Um, but of course, we had um, that one grant, but we also had 30 people who are stupid. Um, and so, all of a sudden it was that well, this is real this is what I wanted this is what I've been fighting for but actually we've now got to run this organization and, and I remember um, a week or so later sitting at my dining table trying to make sense of the uh, the payroll information for the people this is in December so it's for their Christmas pay and it just didn't make sense and I just thought right I've got to you know, so this is one evening, I think the pay had to go out the following week, and I just thought, okay, this, is, this information is rubbish, everyone's got to give me their information tomorrow, so, you know, maybe some stuff, I've got everyone to do it, but, so, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's that start-up kind of thing where you get to some points where it feels very, very tough. Mm, yeah. Um, so, actually, when, actually, you think back... Um, that is, uh, uh, you know, a tough moment. Is there any other time where you had a decisive moment when things turn out to be better in your life? You know, perhaps not this specific example, but if in somewhere in your life, you, ha you have reached a point where you felt that, well, things are going really how I want that to be. Can well, you yeah, I mean, I think this example is a good one because before that, I'd always been, um, you know, part, running a pilot for the university industry, part of an executive team running Learn Direct, um, being the managing director for UK Online Centres, but always part of a kind of bigger body. Uh, Learn Direct was public sector, and before that, I worked at University of um, Sunderland, so again, kind of quasi-public sector, you know, then it was more so. Um, uh, so then actually, you know, becoming the chief executive of a social enterprise with an our charity um, and the freedom that gave us. So I did it because I thought it was the right thing to do. 
but the but the thing that you're asking about is that spark that I then could actually realize what I think is my true potential as a social entrepreneur. Yeah. So now, uh, you know, we have whatever, 25 contracts. We have a subsidiary charity in Australia. We have a pilot in Kenya. We have an amazing board. We have a hundred amazing, talented people working for us. Um, so, but that was because we could be entrepreneurial because before, although I described myself as a rebel, I was still, you know, a good team player within bigger organizations, public sector organizations, um, and played by, you know, and playing by the rules most of the time, because that's what a good team player does. But actually being an entrepreneur, you can say, so do we want to do this project? Or do we want to do that? And do we want to work just this week, we've announced a partnership with JP Morgan Chase Foundation, you know, 1.3 million pounds of grant money going to community organisations in England and Scotland, you know, those things, that's what makes me proud. Um, because, and it was that switch from being a public sector worker, even though I was working at a senior level and did have a lot of responsibilities to being chief executive and being an entrepreneur and being able to lead people who want to be entrepreneurial and we do that to have this impact on people's lives yeah that is very great insight actually because that turning moment sometimes the decisive moment you know you can go here or there actually that's fantastic so what is your superpower helen (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh um (laughs) i'm laughing because i was just saying to someone the other day that my superpower is finding empty tables and in busy bars and restaurants and on busy trains (laughs) that is a great superpower because you know sometimes it's impossible to find one empty yeah i think i I would say tenacity, you know, um, just never giving up, you know, just that I would say those things. And also just the the being mission led and being focused on that mission, you know, always being focused on the end result, Um, whatever fog, you know, like you say, there's always different challenges that come at you in work and life, but, but just saying, this is what I want to do this is what i need to do and just being focused on that one thing i think that's a pretty good superpower i think it's a very good big superpower because you know focus is uh, what a lot of people can't do actually because they keep switching from this thing and that thing but you know you have that mission for how many years now since 80s so how many years 30 years or yeah 30 yeah, yeah. yeah oh my gosh yeah <laughs> That's great. Now let's talk about money. This money section is actually to understand how we can manage to do both what we love and get paid for it. I ask this question because actually sometimes you know this non-for-profit work. Some people sometimes work a lot, but don't get paid well. And some other people get you know, paid a lot of money, but actually fail to have meaning out of it. How can we, <laughs> if you have the miracle solution, how can we do both what we love and get paid well for it? <laughs> That's your big challenge to solve. Yeah, I mean, I think that maybe it goes back to what I was saying about being entrepreneurial is actually, you know, build an amazing organization. You know, I, I think, you know, be, be absolutely rigorous and focused on making sure you're efficient, um, that you, um, you know, like... 
it, it astounds me when not-for-profits don't use digital tools to drive their efficiency. Um, they're scared of it. Somehow they feel like it's different in a, in a work situation rather than a, a person situation. So, you know, I would say, but also don't undervalue your worth, yeah? is so that um, if you grow a strong organisation, and if you understand sustainability of that organization, if you're always, um, the other thing I do is I'm always, always focused in quite an irritating way of making things better. You know, that, that everything can be done better. You know, that like even an amazing organization like Good Things Foundation with amazing staff, there's always something that you could do better. So let's do everything as, as effectively and efficiently as we possibly can. And, um, Work with partners and funders. Always, always do what you say. Always have utmost integrity. Um, and then believe in your own value, yeah? Because the, if you grow, and, and maybe this is back to your question about money and not-for-profit, is actually um, the value of a not-for-profit is the impact you have on people's lives. But actually, you also earn income with its donations. Our, our business model is we get grants and contracts um, from a number of um, government and non-government organizations. Um, and that we then, uh, and, um, but, but being business-like, yeah? So running your organization in a business-like way, being business-like yourself, um, making sure that you're taking care of understanding what your funders needs are and what their wants are and, and what their, their needs may be in the future. So once, I mean, obviously all of those things are a lot easier to say than to do, but then you should be paid well to do that. I mean, obviously not um, Mark, Mark Carney, Carney well, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. Yes, great insights, actually. Now let's talk about building a movement. This is the part I love. Um, obviously, you've been um, doing quite a lot, uh, you know, in digital inclusion. But how? tell me about, you know, the movement that you think that you are building with Good Thing Foundations. So the movement is, I think, about both digital and social inclusion. It's to make sure that we're driving... Um, 100% digital inclusion for the UK, but also the work we're doing in Australia and Kenya, and that a focus on socially excluded people, so to make sure that the people who um, can benefit the most are also the people that we're focusing on. So the movement for us is also about a movement of partners. So we have 5,000 partners in the UK, we have 2,300, 2,400 um, in Australia. So these are community partners on the ground, local partners, um, and we work with the libraries um, in, in Kenya. Um, and so it's about actually communicating this passion and this vision of a better world through digital inclusion um, and better lives through digital inclusion. And then having as many people, be they the local community partners or national partners or international partners who then want to work with us to make that movement a reality. That's super, actually. Better life through digital inclusion. I love that. <laughs> How do you want to be remembered for? Oh, good question. You know, because I, I think there's part of me that... that um, just wants to be remembered as you know a good person who did good, good things. You know that uh, I'm, I um, made the most of my time and I um, I worked hard and uh, I 
helped people through my work so the end users have better lives but also i hope i i bring you know joy and <laughs> to the people that i meet and the people who work with me so you know on one level it's just a good person who who uh, did good things and um i'm hopefully that i didn't waste my time here you know i'm sure you didn't waste your time <laughs> <laughs> with a hundred of you know thousands or millions of those people that you impacted through all the partners i'm not sure that you can <laughs> anybody you they can say anything rather than you have wasted your time <laughs> <laughs> so here is like very quick question and quick answers and uh, i'm going to fire a question and you're going to give me a quick answer what did you learn from all your experiences that you most want to transmit to others be focused <laughs> use your time well yeah. be happy um don't worry <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good don't worry that's true <laughs> so what's one object you'll take with you on a desert island and why am i allowed to take my smartphone yeah if you want <laughs> that would be that why would you take your smartphone oh well because it's got you know <laughs> photos of my family it's got my uh, you know got music and podcasts but i would also hope it, i could ring someone to come and get me it's <laughs> <laughs> a good, good tool actually so what do you regret having or not having done earlier in your life wow i have two lovely boys and i have a great husband so and and that was all good um you know being one of four kids i would have liked to have more children um that you know i i think it if i had worked out earlier how i could have had more and um and kept working you know which i think i could have done so i think maybe that would be my only real regret okay that's good so now what is your definition of meaningful work and meaningful life oh so meaningful work has got to be about having an impact you know that uh making sure that the work that you do creates better lives for people, um, better, you know, that could be better services, you know, obviously in our area, it's around skills that then lead to people having better lives through, um, you know, getting jobs and managing their money, not feeling lonely. You know, there's a, I, I love that, but, uh, but meaningful work is really about that impact. So I think being clear about what you think that impact is and having that impact a meaningful life. So I think it's both to uh, travel through work and life in a, in a happy way and um, being a good person um, and, uh, and loving people, being open. That's super. So any parting piece of guidance that I haven't asked you that you would like to pass on to our listeners to live a meaningful life? I think the big thing is make sure, be confident. You know, if you've got an idea, if you've got a passion, be confident about your ability to do it, but don't try and do it on your own. You know, bring people with you, find like-minded people to help because you're going to be much more successful if you do it with others. And also it's going to be much more fun. But so if you've got an idea, don't give up, don't worry, be focused, but make sure that you bring people with you and, and, and bring a team, make a movement. Yeah, I think uh, you touch on something which is bring a team because most people like to work by themselves or make things happen by themselves. 
do you have any tips of how to bring people uh, with you to work with you? Well, yeah. I mean, so one, be clear about what it is you want to achieve. Yeah. And also um, always believe that the people who work with you both want to do it and can do it. So don't worry about their ability. Don't worry about their passion. Just believe in them, you know, and, and um, that, oh, I've always believed that the more people who work towards a, a, a single goal, then the more successful we're going to be. It's never, go, it's never about me doing it by myself. It's always about, um, because it's back to that impact. You know, we've helped almost 3 million people now. So, you know, we can't do that. I couldn't have done that by myself. Absolutely not. This is about, and every single person brings different skills, different talents, different reach, different contacts, different knowledge, different passions, you know, so there's, in fact, I would say there's no way you can do it on your own. Definitely. If you want to have the breaking back, definitely you can't do it on your own. Okay. Now, Lang, can you share some resources that our listeners should absolutely know about to do more meaningful work and live a meaningful life? Something that's... Uh, so in digital inclusion, um, that uh, we have an online learning platform called Learn My Way, um, learnmyway.com. So please do, uh, yeah, people can use that if you want to help people to learn how to use the internet. It's all free. Uh, if you're in the UK or Australia, you can join our networks if you're a local community organization. Um, so that's the online center network uh, in the UK. A Good Things Foundation in the UK, Good Things Foundation Australia in Australia. Um, we have so much research and resources on our website, you know, and lots of lovely case studies. So I would go to the goodthingsfoundation.org website um, and just have a click through and read all the great research because it's important to have the evidence as well as the passion. You need the evidence, you need the data and the stats as well as the passion, um, but also those stories of those people whose lives. So the stats and the stories. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of evidence and a lot of research on our website as well. I love that. It's important to have a lot of evidence as well as passion. <laughs> a great, great quotable woman. <laughs> so um, how can people reach you and learn more about you? So, um, Come to the website, goodthingsfoundation.org, um, or follow me on Twitter. So I'm at Helen Milner on Twitter. So that would be great. That's fantastic. I really loved uh, this conversation. Helen, thank you so much for imparting your wisdom to our listeners. Brilliant. Thanks so much. It's been fun. Thank you. So what was your key takeaway from this episode? What are you committed to do today to find more meaning in your work and live a more meaningful life? If you'd like to clarify your goals and achieve them faster, there are three ways to do that. One, get my book, Personal Branding in the Digital Age, How to Become a Non-Expert, Thrive and Make a Difference in the Connected World, available on Amazon, iTunes, Audible, as ebook, audiobook, paperbook. Second is to work one-on-one -on -one with me to clarify your objectives and achieve them faster. For that, you need to book a call at francinebelly.com slash call. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash call. And there is a third way, which is a time-limited offer. If you are struggling to find 
why your message doesn't get the engagement you expect from your audience or your customers whilst your competition seems to do very well, apply for a complimentary assessment of your website. I will personally review that and show you what is confusing your prospect and the easy steps you take you can take to clarify your message. This is a time-limited offer. Go to francinebelly.com slash review. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash review to submit your website. So the show notes of this episode of Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life are available on my webpage, francinebelly.com slash podcast, with all the references and resources shared on the show. Whilst you are there... Leave a message in the comment section to let me know about your key takeaway from this episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to show your love and support, subscribe to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the app where you are listening to this podcast and leave me a five-star review. It will take you a minute, but this will mean a lot to me and help me also spread this message for many people. Thank you for listening to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empower you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. I will see you next week for another brand new epic episode of this season three. Until then, dream, act, and make an impact. Lots of love.